This is Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Clote, and here's what's coming up. What we want to do is to curtail the violence against civilians in Gaza and push for a Palestinian state that has got integrity and got independence and got security, all the things that have eluded it for 75 years. That's former U.S. diplomat John Stremlaw on the International Court of Justice order for Israel to implement several provisional measures to protect the people of the Palestinian territory. Also, a Kenyan court has ruled that the country cannot deploy police to Haiti, and we look at Russia's efforts to entrench its influence on the continent. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. The International Court of Justice, or the ICJ, has found there is evidence that Israel may be committing genocide in Gaza. As such, the court has ordered Israel to implement several provisional measures to protect the people of the Palestinian territory. South Africa argued before the court that Israel's attacks on Gaza were aimed at bringing about its physical destruction. There is a claim Israel described as grossly distorted. Darren Taylor reports from Johannesburg. The president of the International Court of Justice, Judge Joan Donahue, presented findings that were overwhelmingly in favor of South Africa's case against Israel. She read statements made by senior Israeli government officials, including one referring to Palestinians as animals. After that, the American judge found that South Africa had presented a plausible case that Israel has committed genocide in Gaza. This is not a final judgment and legal experts say it may take years for the court to make a definitive finding. The ICJ did not order Israel to stop its military operations in Gaza, but ordered that it implement several provisional measures to prevent genocide. These include moderating military action by its troops, giving inhabitants access to adequate food, water and other humanitarian assistance, and taking steps to prevent and punish incitement to kill Palestinians. Donahue also ruled that Israel submit a report to the court within one month on measures taken to protect the lives of civilians. Legal analysts told VOA the ICJ's findings amount to a resounding victory for South Africa and Palestinians and a humiliating defeat for Israel. Speaking via a live TV link from The Hague, South Africa's Minister of International Relations, Naledi Pandor, said her legal team never doubted that it had a strong case against Israel. Our core purpose was really to highlight the plight of the innocent in Palestine and to also alert the international community to the great harm that is being done to the people of Palestine, to public institutions, and also draw attention to the lack of justice and freedom over many, many decades, much of which has been ignored by the world. So today, I think, the Palestinian issue is front and center of the world, and that is a very important achievement through this case brought by South Africa. The Israeli Defense Forces began military operations in the Palestinian territory after Hamas militants attacked Israel, killing about 1,200 people and taking others hostage on October 7. 
Since then, the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry has said the Israeli offensive has resulted in the deaths of about 26,000 people, mostly civilians. Pandor said the preliminary finding that there's evidence to suggest Israel's guilty of genocide in Gaza is the strongest statement yet against what she called the Jewish state's oppression of Palestinians. In a video statement released Friday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu described the ICJ's conclusions as false and outrageous, saying Israel will continue to do what is necessary to defend itself. International news media report the Hamas leadership issued a statement calling the ruling an important development. Former U.S. diplomat John Stremlau told VOA Israel has previously ignored ICJ findings against it. What we want to do is to curtail the violence against civilians in Gaza and push for a Palestinian state that has got integrity and got independence and got security, all the things that have eluded it for 75 years. And for the South Africans to raise this case is enormously important globally because of the parallels to apartheid. But I think it's unrealistic to think that the leadership in Israel or in the Palestinians right now is capable of the kind of enlightened inclusiveness that led to the Constitution that we all swear allegiance to and are so admiring of here in South Africa. Stephen Chan, professor of world politics at the University of London, told VOA the court's findings have increased pressure on Israel's allies, especially the United States, to make sure that Israel works much harder for peace. Moderating action is something which can have a negotiated element to it, not with the International Court of Justice, but certainly in terms of discussions with key allies like the United States. The United States understands it's losing a lot of moral credibility in terms of its one-sided position on this particular conflict. And so they would be keen, particularly in an election year, to be able to say that they've gained some international traction back by coming up with a way forward in terms of this particular case. In a call to Pandor on Friday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Washington remained committed to fostering a lasting regional peace that ensures Israel's security and advances the establishment of an independent Palestinian state. Blinken reaffirmed support for Israel's right to ensure the Hamas attacks of October 7 can never be repeated. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. The International Court of Justice ruling that Israel must do everything it can to avoid killing Palestinians in Gaza has been largely received with excitement in South Africa. South Africa approached the court for emergency measures to stop Israel from committing what it described as acts of genocide in Gaza. Tusa Kumalo reports from Johannesburg. The International Court of Justice ruling today includes telling Israel to take all measures to prevent killings bodily or mental harm and destruction of life in Gaza. South African national Nadia Adams agrees with the court that no more people should die in Gaza. I can't actually explain to you how grateful I am to actually be a South African and proud to be a South African, seeing that we're actually supporting and backing the Palestinians against the Israelis. 
because um, I mean we can see so many innocent people and lives have been hurt and lost. Since the conflict began in October, the Hamas run Gaza Health Ministry has said at least 26,000 people have died, most of them civilians. Israel began its military offensive after Hamas militants attacked Israeli communities, killing about 1,200 people and taking hostage at least 240. Nabutoma Bena, spokesperson for the Johannesburg-based African Diaspora Forum, also praised the ICJ, saying that saving lives should be a priority for the world at large. We applaud the government of South Africa and we call on the progressive world to support the government of South Africa so that um, the genocide in Gaza will stop. The court, however, did not rule on the South African charge that Israel is committing genocide, saying that will be decided later. Freeman Bengu, coordinator at the United Patriotic Front, a group of civil society pressure groups, welcomes the decisions but encourages South Africa to be vigilant about what he said was the human rights crisis taking place in neighboring Zimbabwe. Our government, ANC government, has failed throughout the years to, to rein in on ZANU-PF, to rein in from Mugabe and now Mnangwangwa. And I don't see anything changing anytime soon uh, unless in South Africa there's a new government which will have a new perspective on, on how to help Zimbabweans. Karen Milner, national chairperson of the South African Jewish Board of Deputies, says although they are disappointed with the way South Africa has handled this issue, they are pleased with some of the things in the court judgment. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies welcomes the ICJ's recognition of Israel's right to defend itself and its citizens by denying South Africa's request for a ceasefire. The court's call for the hostages to be freed is a fundamental requirement for the end of this terrible conflict. Israel's government has slammed the court ruling and says it respects international law but has the right to defend itself. The South African Communist Party, a partner of the ruling African National Congress, issued a statement congratulating South Africa for the court victory. Tusokumalo for VOA News in the Kalahari Desert in the Northern Cape Province, South Africa. You are listening to African News Tonight. I'm Peter Clotter in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see viewerafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite viewer radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out viewernews.com. A Kenyan court on Friday ruled that the country cannot deploy police to Haiti. Viewing Nairobi Bureau Chief Mariama Diallo has the story. The Nairobi High Court rejected a planned deployment of Kenyan police officers to Haiti. The ruling on Friday by Judge Enoch Chacha Muwita said Kenya could only deploy officers abroad if it had a reciprocal arrangement with the host government. It also ruled that only defense forces could be deployed, not security services. 
Last year, the Nairobi court suspended the government's plan to send 1,000 officers to Haiti. Three petitioners, including opposition politician and constitutional lawyer Ekuru Alcott, brought the case telling VOA at the time the proposed deployment was unconstitutional, an argument accepted by the court. In October, the U.N. Security Council had approved a Kenya-led multinational security force aimed at helping to combat violent gangs in the troubled Caribbean nation. Other African countries, including Chad, Senegal, Burundi, have also said they will add troops to the multinational force. While many in Kenya have questioned their country's lead role in this mission, some had been supportive of President William Bruto, who had said it's a mission for humanity and is of special significance and critical urgency for Kenyans. Violence escalated in Haiti on Wednesday as a heavily armed gang surrounded a hospital in the capital of Port-au-Prince. Police later rescued the patients. On Thursday, the head of the U.N. Office on Drugs and Crime warned of a vicious cycle of armed trafficking to increasingly powerful Haitian gangs, fueling an internal conflict and worsening violence across the Caribbean. Also on Thursday, Haitian foreign minister told the U.N. Security Council that gang violence in his country was as barbaric as the horrors experienced in war zones and once again asked for an international force to intervene. Gangs across Haiti have continued to grow more powerful since the July 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moïse and the number of kidnappings and killings keeps rising. Mariama Diallo, VOA News, Nairobi. The U.S. state of Alabama put an inmate to death last night using nitrogen gas, the first time the method has been used. Human rights groups have called it cruel, but the state says it is humane. 58-year-old Kenneth Eugene Smith, one of two men convicted in the 1988 murder for hire killing of Elizabeth Senate, was pronounced dead after breathing pure nitrogen for about 22 minutes. Senate's son Mike called it kind of a bittersweet day that his family is happy is over. This was Alabama's second attempt to execute Smith. His 2022 lethal injection was abruptly called off when authorities couldn't connect an intravenous line. This time, Alabama officials put a respirator mask over Smith's face and replaced his breathing air with pure nitrogen gas, leading him to die from a lack of oxygen. Amnesty International condemned the scheduled execution. The UN Human Rights Office also urged Alabama authorities to halt Smith's execution. The Russian military is deepening its efforts to absorb former Wagner Group operations in Africa by launching its own Africa Legion unit, according to the latest bulletin from the Institute for the Study of War think tank. It says Moscow is looking to entrench its influence on the continent amid competition with the U.S. and its Western allies. The Council on Foreign Relations says Moscow has been trying to position itself as an ally to African countries and managed to ink military cooperation agreements with at least 19 of them since 2014. Wolgang Pustai, former Australian military attaché in Libya, discussed with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi the seriousness of Russian involvement in Africa, starting with Libya. Actually, other Russian mercenary groups were already present in Libya since about 2016, starting ready to support Khalifa Haftar's Libyan National Army. Today, Libya is certainly of critical importance for the Russian military engagement 
in the whole of Africa. Actually, I would call it its Moscow's gateway to Africa. The air bases in Libya used by the Russian mercenaries, namely Al-Jufra in the center of the country, Al-Shadim in the northeast, serve also as logistic bases and as a stopover, as a stopover for the heavy transport aircraft, the Illusion 76 aircraft, bearing supply goods to the Russian mercenary contingents further down in Africa, especially to those in Mali, Central African Republic and Sudan, so those who are involved in combat. And without the possibility of using Libyan air bases, sustaining those military operations in Africa would be much more difficult for Moscow. Some argue even that Russia is seeking for a large navy base in Tobruk, but I doubt that this is true, keeping the poor condition of the Russian aircraft carrier and the nuclear cruiser in mind, and even more important, the existence of another, albeit a little bit smaller, navy base in Tartus, Syria. So altogether, with regard to the look on the south of Africa, I would call Libya of critical importance for Russia's Africa strategy. Moscow has been trying to position itself as an ally to African countries and managed to ink military cooperation agreements with at least 19 African countries since 2014, according to the Council on Foreign Relations. Russia also backed a string of military coups in recent years and now is replacing Wagner Group with the African Legion. What should the U.S. and the European allies do to counter that threat? Well, they could try to deal with Russia's gateway to Africa. One option would be to urge Khalifa Haftar to kick the Russians out of Libya. But keeping the significance of the Russian support to the Libyan National Army in mind, I would say this is rather difficult to achieve. Their military support in part still for Wagner for the time being, is really of critical importance for the LNA. They provide the backbone for operating the LNA's MiG-29 fighter jets and of the Sukhoi-24 bomber fleet, including pilots, technicians, logistic support and training. I would rule out that the United States or anyone else in the West is able, let alone ready, to replace the Russians in this capacity. Another option is kinetic targeting of Russian key assets in Libya with military means, just short of an open military intervention. Actually, in the last year, in May, June and December, a couple of Russian Illusion 76 transport aircraft were destroyed on the ground in Al-Jufra and Al-Kadim by, let's say, unknown combat drones. But while this is certainly painful for the Russians, this is not decisive. A successful, lasting countering of the Russian mercenary operations must take place in the sub-Saharan region, exactly there where those Russians operate. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on an African tour pitched the United States as a better security partner for Africa in place of Russia's Wagner mercenary group which was accused of exploiting coup-hit and conflict-hit nations in the continent Sahel region. He said, you see the exploitation of people and resources by mercenaries. It is important that we have been working to support our partners who are trying to find effective ways of fighting in security. What's your take on that? Russian mercenaries have certainly some advantages for those countries. They don't urge for elections and democracy. They don't ask questions about human rights. They don't organize seminars and workshops about gender rights and international law. But they are there for high-risk warfighting. However, the military support provided by them is frequently less sophisticated than what is offered by the West, especially with regards to intelligence. And Biden is right. 
very costly. Furthermore, as the Russians rely almost exclusively on military means, they don't offer the comprehensive solutions required to stabilize these crisis areas. Of course, one could argue the comprehensive support provided by the Americans and the West was also not very successful in the past. I would say probably it is necessary for the West to rethink the way how to support fragile countries, offering attractive packages more focused on the concrete requirements without demanding too much from them and without applying double standards with regards to what is acceptable to the West and what isn't. That was Wolfgang Potstai, former Austrian military attaché in Libya, speaking with viewer senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. The Democratic Republic of Congo's military says at least 19 people were killed and 27 wounded when rebels attacked a town in North Kivu province. In a televised statement, the army said yesterday that the rebels shelled the town of Mueso. The army blamed the attack on the M23 rebel group, which rose to prominence 10 years ago when its fighters seized Goma, eastern DRC's largest city on the border with Rwanda. Reuters News, however, quotes the M3 militia leadership as saying the army used drones to attack residential areas. Neither claim could be independently verified. Mali's junta has terminated a crucial agreement it signed with local rebels, which helped maintain a fragile peace in the country's northern region. The government accused the rebels of failing to adhere to the deal. It also accused Algeria, the backer of the agreement, of interference and hostility. Neither Algeria nor the rebel groups have publicly responded. The collapse of the agreement comes after the UN peacekeeping mission ended deployment to help contain the rebellion. It also comes as Mali's military leaders struggle to contain an Islamic extremist insurgency that has ravaged the north since 2012. Join your host, Larry London, for Border Crossings, VOA's worldwide music request hour, every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in to hear your favorite songs and artists, win prizes and giveaways, and get the latest scoop from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send in requests to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call 202-618-2077 to have your favorite music played for the entire world. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Peter Clote in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, David Vandy, and our engineer, Sidrak Franklin, thanks for choosing The Voice of America.
VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one, then two zero two two five eight three zero seven six. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international.